Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue Podcast. My name is David Rudy, the pastor of Doxa Church. And this is a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. I have Ben and Amanda with me tonight. Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. Hey there. So Thanksgiving is upon us. It's right around the corner. You might even be listening to this on Thanksgiving Day. Maybe you're going Black Friday shopping right now. I don't know. But uh, we're excited about Thanksgiving over here. Ready to eat a lot. Yep, I got my turkey pants. I'm ready for some meat. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. I'm going to be cooking for days. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be reaping all those benefits. Rebecca's a really good cook. So My wife, she is a great cook. And that, that really is the joke. I will not touch a thing. Yeah. Except from the fork to my mouth. <laughs> it's okay. You can clean up, which is the worst part. Okay. Yep. That's the thing. I will I will be doing lots yeah, of Yeah. There that. you go. Thank you, Amanda. The, the, the woman yeah. has to say, the yeah, men, you can't just eat this food. You also need to contribute in some way. Oh, so man. all those dads out there, come on, let's let's do something. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited about that. Actually, at Life Group tonight, we asked the question, what's your favorite side dish from the Thanksgiving table? Do y'all have any like really good favorite sides? Yeah, so mine, uh, like I talked about earlier, life group was my stepmom's mom makes this amazing white rice, and it's sweet, and I literally don't know the name of it. I don't know, any, I don't know how it's made. It's just really good, and I look forward to it every Thanksgiving. Really? That, yeah. I'm so, I'm almost shocked. White rice is what you look forward to for Thanksgiving. Yep, it's some, sort of, in some sort of cream and with sugar, and it's not a pudding. Wow. It's just this magical concoction, and it's really good. See, <laughs> I, love, I love rice yeah. with turkey gravy. That's mm. a really good and combo. Put a turkey on it. Yeah, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... I think of rice as like the last thing. I know. When you say sweet rice, it sounds almost dinner. like an like a, like an Asian dish. <laughs> Maybe you, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Well, my probably my favorite side is wholeheartedly American. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It is. Um, what's that uh, sweet potato casserole? Oh, no, for sure. With, with the brown sugar. I don't like the marshmallow. See, what is oh, wrong with yeah. But I will do the brown sugar and pecan or pecan, however you say it. Mm-hmm. That, Heard about that nut on top. <laughs> that's probably my favorite side. That was mine. I, I really? mine is sweet potato souffle. Uh, I said souffle. What which is the difference? <laughs> I think there's a. I think sweet potato souffle is the one with marshmallows on okay, top. Okay, okay, that makes honestly. sense. Honestly, a torch. They probably use a torch. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't like a lot of marshmallows either. So we're actually really seeing eye to eye on this. Take all of your marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, I could give or take some of the pecans on top. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's really just the brown sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Little walnuts in there. Yeah, it's it's good. Well, I hope you're enjoying your Thanksgiving season because we certainly are. We have a lot to be thankful for. We're thankful for you, the listener, mm-hmm. that are the reason why we have this podcast, our church, and. Everyone who I'm sure who's involved right now is is very has a lot to be thankful for. We have a faithful God who is richly blessing us. There's a lot to be said there, but we're going to move on into our topic for the evening. Yeah. And today we're talking about something that can be a horrible thing. Sometimes it can be a relief and just a huge blessing. And it's quitting. Sometimes we... 
For a second, I thought you were going to say Pepto Bismol. <laughs> <laughs> it is a sweet relief. In this in this season of life, yeah. you you have to have a bottle of, of the pink stuff. But no, like for real, there's probably things that you felt like quitting before. There's maybe been something that you decided to persevere and carry on through. And that's what, that's the topic that we want to discuss and cover today. So I want to give us five questions that you need to answer before quitting. So if you're thinking about quitting something, we're going to we're going to cover this topic from of course different angles here. But five quick questions. First one, who am I letting down and is it worth it? So these are all going to build off of each other and I don't have like a full answer on on all of these, but these are this is one question I think you should ponder. If you quit something, think about who will be disappointed. Sometimes the only person who is disappointed if you quit something is yourself because you've, you've just carried this yourself. You're putting it on yourself and you're pushing yourself in an area to do something. And if you're asking this question, Hey, who am I really letting down? Again, this isn't the only question you're going to ask because you can get way off off track by pleasing people if you abuse this. But if you say, hey, what's the perspective here in this, in this situation? Sometimes you can realize that, well, I actually, I should probably persevere through this because this person is looking up to me. This person's leaning me on this situation. This wouldn't be the greatest example over here to this person that I'm trying to encourage. You know, there's just thinking about that, not just necessarily yourself, but you in community and how it affects the circle of people that are around you, I think is, is a helpful thing to think about. Um, maybe you should persevere for the sake of loving your neighbor. Maybe you should actually quit because it's all on you and nobody's really expecting you to do this. And, and that's just thing that ultimately, as we think through this, ultimately we are called to live for God and not for other people pleasing God rather than men, but this is a helpful question for identifying your motives and your inspirations. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You made me think of something. Back when Beck and I were church planning in the West, we got donuts, donated donuts every Sunday, Saturday for Sunday. Beautiful, yeah. And we would get so stressed about it. Really? And yeah, but like, I don't think anyone cared. So it's kind of like one of those things, you know, Uh, we we were the only ones that cared about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess after like a few weeks of not having it, people would probably be like, hey, where are the donuts? <laughs> but yeah, we were putting that on ourselves. And right. Yeah, we do this all the time. I think that's a really good point, David. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It can bring clarity to your position and why you're doing it and if you need to change it or not. Second question that I think you should answer before you quit something is Have I learned what I need to learn from this difficulty? Chances are, I'm assuming it's going to be a difficult thing if you're thinking about quitting it. Difficult things in life help us grow. You know, I mean, you think about James, we have trials and we have temptations and we should count it a joy because it can produce steadfastness in our lives. You even see in 2 Corinthians 1, again, Paul's at this point where talk about a difficult situation. He, he feels like he's going to die. Like he's, he's almost like ready to just die because it's so bad. But he says there that it made him rely on Christ and not on himself. So when you're in a difficult situation, think about the fact that, wait, this isn't just a crummy life thing that's happening to me. 
this is actually something that maybe God is specifically using to teach me something in particular. There's a lesson to be learned in this. Uh, Maybe you ask the question, is there more that I need to learn here? Maybe if you think about this and you're like, well, I learned a huge aspect of my life and I've adjusted that and I don't need to continue this anymore because I've already learned what I need to learn from that situation. So if you've learned everything you think God has for you, there is no shame in continuing that situation. I think that's another good question to ask. Number three, what does saying no to this mean more of? So think, think with me on this, like if, if you say, no, I will not do this any longer, mm-hmm. you're actually saying, yes, I will now do this. Mm-hmm. So what is that? Yes. Is it so I can have more free time so I can sleep longer? Maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. Is it, you know, what are you going to replace? And this can kind of help you sometimes from just quitting something that you really need to be doing, but you're just tired and a little bit worn down. And then you replace it with not faithfully going to church or, you know, not doing the right thing with your friends. Like think about what you're replacing that with. It's a super helpful thing to realize I am going to fill this void with something else. And is it, is it a productive thing or an unproductive thing? Number four, is this pulling me away from the best that God has for me? So Sometimes the good can be the enemy of the best. You've probably heard me say that. You've probably heard other people say that before. The first time I ever heard somebody say that, they used this illustration about Arnold Palmer, the old golfer from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And he's in the Masters. He's about, he's like in the last hole in the Masters. He's about ready to win the Masters. He hits his fairway. His drive right down the middle of the fairway. All he has to do is basically just hit it on the green, two putt, end of, end of the day, he's got the Masters. But as he's walking to his ball, he sees like this old friend in the crowd and the old friend comes up, he hadn't seen him in years. It's a good thing, right? You see your old buddy and his friend comes up, shakes his hand. Hey, Arnie, so great to see you. You do, you're doing it, man. And, and going back, Arnold Palmer was like, I totally lost my focus right there. Oh, yeah. And then the next shot, he hits it in the bunker, sand trap, then he duffs it out of that. He lost the masters, very uncharacteristic for Arnold Palmer, but a good thing, like just not, you know, seeing his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Got him off the best thing for him right there, which was focusing on that next golf shot. That reminds me of Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson last Saturday. Yeah. Doppelganger was uh, at the game. And she was really? like sitting around the 50 yard line or something. And oh, it's like the his third. doppelganger is a girl. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, it's like all over the internet. Okay. And uh, he waves at her in like, I don't know if it was the second or third quarter. Oh, and wow. the commentators are like, oh, man, <laughs> he is going to get grief for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay focused, boy. Yeah. yeah. Keep yeah, your head exactly. on the field. Yeah. Actually, I just watched with Disney Plus, this is a little tangent, but with Disney Plus out now, mm-hmm. I saw uh, Remember the Titans with my boys. Oh, it's a classic. Yeah. And is is I'm sure somebody's already made this comparison, but it hit me. Sunshine is like Trevor oh, Lawrence. That's fantastic. That's another doppelganger. Yeah. Anyway, is this pulling me away from the best that God has for me? We'll, we'll pull this back from <laughs> the world of Disney and football. Disney minus. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, fifth question. This is the last one I had. What would bring God the most glory? Question to ask yourself. What would bring God the most glory? First Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever we eat or drink, whatever we do, may all of it be to the glory of God. 
this is real. Like we are created to show God's glory, the truth of who he is, all of his attributes, his love, his justice, his mercy, that's his glory. And that's what we're called to do. So is this thing that I'm dealing with that I'm thinking about quitting, is it actually helping me right now max out my life for the glory of God? Or is it holding me back from what I could be doing? I could be doing something different that would actually bring more glory to God. And I mean, this is a question you should ask whenever you have a big decision, I think, but framing it in that sense helps you align. Okay. This is, this is a small thing. This is a big thing. This is where I need to be. Maybe I need to just, I don't need to totally quit, but maybe I just need to change direction and change an angle a little bit and focus on it in that sense. So it also takes selfishness out of the equation when you ask that question. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Just puts it back onto the mission that God gave me. Yep. Purpose. That's so good. I'm going to quit Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to title my segment Quitting on God because I know that at some point almost every believer will experience circumstances that make them want to question God's plan, mm-hmm. question His will, or even question His goodness. Maybe some of us are going through it right now, and if so, my brother or sister, I am right there with you. Or maybe some of us just came out the other side of a trial, and if that's you, you know, I rejoice for you and I implore you to reach out to somebody that's struggling and give them some encouragement because Mm. when you're in that valley, it is so hard to ever imagine being on top of the mountain again. That's something that really, it's a good point that everybody that we're dealing with, that we're talking to, there's people around us who are thinking about quitting and imploring them to building them up with the words we say is a huge part of, of growing together. Feel like either you're in it, you're about to go through it, or you just came out the other side of it. Yeah. It's just that that's what our life cycle is, you know. Exactly. You know, and even when we know God's promises, it can feel so hard to believe them and live them out when we're desperate and hurting and crying out for answers. And his promises can be found throughout scripture. He promises us provision. Second Corinthians nine mm-hmm. eight says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. But when we're going through a financial crisis or even a whole season of monetary hardship, we often question where God's promised provision is. Mm-hmm. He promises us peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But when we are struggling with anxiety or depression, and that peace just seems so unattainable, we wonder why our cries seem to fall on deaf ears. He promises us the desires of our heart. Psalms 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But when we are wrestling with unanswered prayers, we can start to feel like he really doesn't care about the things that we so desperately want. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, they can be good things. Yeah, know? exactly. And that's when it's almost the hardest, when it's mm-hmm. like, I want to do this. This is a good desire, God, that I have and nothing's going on. I'm in this season of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. That is the hardest time when we really feel like quitting. And it's, you're right. Like these are the promises of God that are in scripture mm-hmm. that we have to fall back to, even when it doesn't feel like it's happening. Exactly. It's like, well, I know this is God's preserved word and it is truth for me. Mm-hmm. And I have to trust this no matter what. It goes, so it's going, it's going back to faith really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and the last one I had was he promises to deliver us. Psalm fifty fifteen says, call on me the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will honor me. 
But when trouble comes and we've been crying out to God, desperate for salvation, and we are only met with despair, it's easy to become discouraged. And a lot of times we don't actually cry out to, you yeah. know, even though we know we should. Yeah. It can get, I don't know if y'all ever been in that place where you felt like you've cried out and called out so long and you haven't heard an answer. That's when you really start to want to quit because you, you want to give up asking. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Something about this makes me just think of my kids and how so frequently they're like yelling for something, screaming for something that they want, that they're craving, that they think we a good thing mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not God by any means. But- I'm older than them and I'm their dad. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'm going to withhold things from them because I know it's better for them. Right. Like I mm-hmm. have their best interest in mind, but they don't know that. And so many times, frequently, I think of that. Was that just a moment where God was silent because he knew what was best for me? Yep. And if he gave it to me in the moment that I was asking for, I wouldn't learn the lesson that I wanted, kind of like what David was saying earlier, mm-hmm. or it would be detrimental for me. And he can't do wrong. So he's only going to act perfectly towards me. Yeah. We feel like it's pain, yep. but it's it's a purifying pain. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a purging of, of the old man and he's bringing us through the fire to make us you know, more like himself. But yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And sometimes we are tempted because we're not getting what we feel like we, we deserve. Yeah. Uh, we're tempted to quit on God when really, when we're not hearing from him, it's because he wants us to quit something else. Maybe we've put some status or we've put this comfort on a higher plane than it really truly needs to be. And God is not going to answer that prayer because he wants to actually bring us to that place where we go to him for our joy. We go to him for our peace and we don't get our satisfaction from some, some broken cistern that isn't going to like fully satisfy us anyway. Go back to like, no matter what I do, I have to say, what else do I need to quit? Because quitting God is not the answer. It's only going to make it worse. You have to put off that to put on God. And until you let go of that, you can't get what you need from him. But in that place, you know, when you're struggling with that and, and, you know, struggling with wanting to quit, you know, fear and doubt will will seep in, and you know you're, you've been in this season of what feels like endless darkness, and you just can't see where God's working. And you do, you just want to give up to just give in to that despair and give up on holding out for God's promises. Unfortunately, I definitely have this tendency in my life. For an emotional person like myself, my life just seems to be this cycle of highs and lows. And when I get really low, it's very easy for me to let my emotions take over and to just want to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when some people feel discouraged, like my husband, this is him, it pushes them to challenge themselves more and to press on and refuse to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very grateful for having him in my life this yeah. week. couldn't be more opposite in that sense. <laughs> Kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, when I begin to feel defeated, my natural tendency is just to not try because, you know, I, my brain just says, well, it's not working. So just right. don't even go there anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and my spirit and my flesh are just constantly fighting this battle between either surrendering to my emotions or surrendering to God's direction. And at some point, we are all going to have to make the choice between the two. There are times in our lives where we reach this point where we will have to quit something, like you were saying. You know, we've exhausted everything that we can possibly do and that anyone around us can possibly do, and we just no longer have any semblance of control. We had that feeling when we were moving here and we were trying to buy this house, and, you know, we knew God had called us to Spartanburg. We, Stephen, had gotten into VCOM, 
And we even really felt like this house was the one for us. But just a few days before we were supposed to close on the house, we talked to our lender and he was like, we can't give you the mortgage. Mm. And we were just like, what is happening? Just like <laughs> yesterday, we were good, you know? <laughs> and I mean, talk about just roadblocks. I mean, we just we were just left scrambling and and it was it was really confusing for us because like okay god we know you want us here we know you we really do we prayed about that house we know that's where you want us and we just were it was just it hurt Mm -hmm. and so thankfully obviously we did find another loan but in that time it just seemed like god wasn't helping us and in those moments either we have to make the choice to quit worrying and stressing and just being overwhelmed by the circumstances that we can't control. Mm-hmm. Or we choose to become bitter and disillusioned, and we will quit believing in the only one who has promised to have our best interests at heart. Yeah, so when you start, when I started researching this idea of quitting, uh, not that I really needed to research it a lot. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, yeah. Ben has never I, had to experience yeah. quit anything. I have never quit anything. <laughs> no, I've quit a lot of things except for piano lessons. <laughs> mom didn't let me quit those. Thanks, Mom. Uh, actually, I did. I quit my senior year. Sorry about that. Uh, so when I started looking at this idea of quitting, uh, obviously I jumped on the Google machine, mm-hmm. and there were, I mean, right out of the gates – Article after article after article of things Christians should quit. And it's almost like, oh, Christians should quit doing this and Christians yeah. should quit oh, saying yeah, yeah. that. Yeah it's, oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's like a springboard for anybody to be like, oh, I'm so sick of this. Yeah. Just stop it, Christians. And obviously not all of it's that shallow. Like some of it's right. some really good stuff. Sure. Um, that Christians should definitely stop. But it, and it, it varies. It goes from like the shallow kind of the... Mm-hmm the peripheral stuff to the heart issue stuff. Like mm-hmm. we should, you know, and it, which just makes sense. Like on a heart level, let's say I want to change. You, you spoke about it on, on Sunday, David, in Ephesians four, like corrupt communication. So yep. if mm-hmm. I'm having corrupt communication on, on through, out of my mouth, well, like I need to change what I'm thinking. I need to change what I'm digesting. I need to take what I'm letting marinate mm-hmm. in myself. So I need to sit in front of truth. Like I need to sit in, in front mm-hmm. of something that's pure, Right. Christ, like gaze on Christ. And then that's going to change the way we think and consequently the way we, we speak. So I wanted to bring to the table what Christians should not quit. Uh, things that Christians should not be doing with things that we should keep doing. Uh, so I hope this is encouragement to someone out there. Uh, mm. Maybe you are contemplating quitting or maybe you're tempted to think that your faithfulness isn't working or isn't paying off. Mm. Um, or maybe you are tempted to start sinning because some of your friends are involved and it's appealing or, you know, you've been lonely for so long or whatever it is. I hope like, hopefully we can encourage you today. Like don't quit running to Christ. And actually the first thing I wanted to say was uh, I have five or six just ideas here. I think things Christians shouldn't stop. Things Christians shouldn't quit. The first one was we should not stop counting on Christ. And what I mean by that is we should keep trusting him, keep looking to him because our faith in him is not in vain. Uh, And there have been so many times in our lives that we felt helpless and we have been helpless. We wanted to just 
doubt, say, I, since I can't come up with this on my own and I'm just so used to, you know, having all the resources here now and my own abilities right here to solve this, but mm-hmm. I'm just helpless right now. Uh, well, don't, don't doubt God's faithfulness in your life. Like, don't doubt his involvement in your life. Uh, when you're tempted to to stop trusting, to start doing it on your own, when you're tempted to not be looking for him on the horizon, mm-hmm. uh, don't stop. Keep looking. Keep counting on him because he will show up. You know, I when I was reading about this same thing, we live in this culture of instant gratification. And so that was one of the things, too. Like, we're tempted to quit just because maybe it took a couple months and we didn't see what we wanted. Or maybe it took right. a couple years and we didn't see what we wanted. But to God, time is nothing. You know, yeah. I mean, a thousand yeah. years are but a day to him. So, I mean, it might be coming, but not in our instant, you mm-hmm. know, right when we want it. Oh. So. Yeah. I was thinking about a couple times in, in the past when I've really been tempted to quit. And I almost quit playing basketball in ninth grade because my coach was not playing me, like not getting very many minutes. As a freshman, I was like, I should be getting more minutes. Come in, coach. Yeah, and I almost quit, but looking back at it, it was such an instant gratification type thing. And if I would have quit then in ninth grade, I wouldn't have played in 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. I wouldn't have played like all those hours of basketball, which really brought a lot of joy and fulfillment to my life in a lot of ways. So yeah, but I mean, I, I'm getting a little off track oh, here, but great. you're right. Like, you don't know what God wants for, from you down the road. So trust him in the situation you're in right now. Don't yeah. don't quit looking at him. Yeah, yeah, we are waiting expectantly. This is the character of God is that he shows up, that he's involved in our lives. Mm-hmm. He's got something for us. So we we can wait patiently and confidently and expectantly that he's going to, he's going to work. Uh, so don't stop. (laughs) Uh, we shouldn't stop gazing on Christ. I saw this today. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something to the effect of you steer where you stare. Hmm. That just really hit me. I was like, that is really good. Kind of the Mm -hmm. idea of you will become what you behold. Hmm. Uh, If we, if we want to be more like Christ, we've got to look to him. He's got to be the center of our lives. We've got to lay ourselves down. We've got to lay our desires, kind of like what you were talking about, Amanda, this battle between the spirit and the flesh. We've got to lay our flesh down and say, kill it. And as you gaze on Christ, you have to allow him to dispel that sin from your life because Mm -hmm. you better believe that the more you look at pure truth, you're going to see your impure errors and sinful patterns and behaviors, and and that's just got to go. Romans eight thirteen says that I think in the King James it uses the word mortify. Hmm. Spirit mortifies the flesh. So when we're walking in the spirit, and, and James tells us like, or is it Philippians? We keep, the flesh and the spirit can't stay in st- in tune together. They they can't no, stay God, in step. Definitely not. Those, oh, those yeah. things cannot exist uh, simultaneously. Uh, you're either in the spirit or, or in the flesh, and one of them's going to win. So why don't you let the one win? We got to bring back the word mortify yes. back into yeah. the yes. common vernacular. That's a good Which one. Makes me think of Mordecai. I literally was just thinking. Of- <laughs> Which then yeah. makes me think of Moriarty. <laughs> I'm a great. I am a big Sherlock Holmes fan. Uh, yeah, so we got to mortify the flesh, but we're going to do that by gazing on Christ. And I think so many times Christians quit fighting. The mm-hmm. battle because they're not gazing at Christ. Yeah, they're gazing at their sin. Yeah. Even especially like with guys and a struggle with lust. Like, man, I'm just—is this any use? Like, mm-hmm. is it worth fighting because I'm just going to struggle again in the near future yeah. in mm-hmm. some way? Is it worth it at all? Well, 
We can't stare at the sin. We've got to stare at Christ and keep staring at Christ. And same thing, we're going to keep giving this to him. We're going to keep confessing and forsaking and repenting. And we're going to wait and we're going to see when and how he shows up. So I think we should definitely not stop that. We shouldn't stop waiting for Jesus. We've already talked a little bit about this, but he will show up. Uh, we should never stop praying to Jesus either. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Yeah. Uh, this kind of baffled me. Maybe that's a good word stacked up next to mortify. Uh, this this kind of baffled me when, especially as in college, and I'm like, how can I pray without ceasing? Because in my mind's eye, I have this really unique picture of like me in a closet, like 24 <laughs> seven, just praying. And I'm like, surely that can't be what Paul means when he says pray without ceasing, right? Like there's right. gotta be something going on here. Um, and what, what I started just praying through and thinking through is not so much like the the posture of prayer. Like I'm always on my knees, um, you know, I'm, I'm always my hands lifted or, you know, face on the floor. It's really an invitation for God to be involved in everything that I am. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's like popping open the, <laughs> the top of your head the top of your heart and asking God to peer in on everything mm -hmm. and giving him free reign and free access and anything that you need to say, God, from the top down, yep. mm -hmm. I'm here, I'm open, I'm listening and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm communing, I'm praying, I'm con conversing with you uh, all day, every day. And that way, like that makes much more sense. Yeah. There's never than, a place in your life where you're like, all right, great. I got it. I don't have to pray about this anymore. Yeah. We should always be praying as we go, like every next phase of life, every next decision, every next avenue. Like, I'm going to pray about this. It's funny to even think that we can keep God out, like you were saying. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of, we get to this point, we're like, okay, God, I'm going to let you in everything. Like, he's like, well, I've been there, but I just wanted you to, yeah. you know, finally realize uh, it and submit yeah. to me in that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's so good. But yeah, it's us opening our hearts and our minds just to the the realization, the reality of the presence of God, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, welcoming that and not stiff arming God in that, but saying, hey, I want you in my life. And so I'm going to pray without ceasing. So that's something we should never stop. And that mm -hmm. seems really basic because it is. Mm -hmm. Read your Bible, pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. Like that's a basic mm -hmm. of the Christian life. So don't stop doing that, Christian. And I don't know, maybe you need to hear that tonight where you're going through the valley and you are having a hard time seeing the light through the clouds, but in the valley is where the light shines the brightest. So keep praying, keep pouring your heart out to Christ and wait expectantly for him to work. He's, he's going to show up. Another thing too, that uh, we should not quit. We shouldn't stop doing is just hanging out with people who love Jesus. Mm. Mm -hmm. Maybe we call this church, maybe mm -hmm. we call this community. And this is one of those things that we have got to, put ourselves around other people, not just like-minded people in the sense that are Christians. Mm -hmm. sure. Christians. Because there are a lot of Christians who aren't growing at the same rate as me, which is okay. Right. That's okay. Like right. the Bible even tells us that everyone has been allotted their, their rate of growth. That's okay. Yeah. But not everyone is pulling you up, yeah. even mm -hmm. Christians. And so it's not just the like-minded people, but hanging out with the people that are saying, I want more of Christ. Like I am thirsty mm -hmm. for more of him and his character, everything that he is. I want that. 
yeah. I want that. And so we're, we're constantly putting ourselves in that stream and, and we're surrounding ourselves with people who are praying for us, uplifting us, who are going shoulder to shoulder, bearing our burdens that are, that are loving us, that we can confess our sins to together. And mm-hmm. uh, that we're just, we're living out those one another's of the New Testament together. This Don't one stop can that. be overstated. It really can't be overstated in the sense that like, if you're not surrounding yourself with other Christians, you are going, like you have a flesh, like you're going to fade back. So it's so key. Never quit and that. if you haven't been filled and if you haven't had some accountability with people that are on the same level as you, or, you know, trying to at least, it's it's going to be harder to help minister to those who aren't, who need your help and support. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're just constantly giving it out and never getting anybody to help right. you, you know, you, you, you're yeah. not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's really good. Becca, my wife was just listening to another podcast, how everybody needs to have three to 10 people in their life that they're pouring into mm-hmm. and three to 10 people in their lives that are pouring into them, yep. if that makes hmm. sense, Absolutely. or are on like an equal plane as far as giving and taking, mm-hmm. you know, your best friends, like I'm going to cry this week, you're going to cry next week, that <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we should also, we should not stop worshiping Christ. And we already said the reading your Bible, pray every day, and it's more than that, but it has to start there personally where you're keeping your heart close to the heart of the Lord and you're pouring out your mind and your heart and your affection to him. You're loving him. You're emotionally connected with him. You are uh, connected in, in spirit and truth and you are worshiping him. You're lifting your voice to him or maybe you're bowing your head. Well, we have to keep worshiping Christ. Yeah, and I think... This happens a lot when people get to the point where even at church, they turn it into an intellectual game or, you know, they turn their Christian life into a performance or a duty. Mm -hmm. Like, because what you're doing is you're creating this into a man-centered thing and you're not actually worshiping anymore. So it can, it can even happen even when you're in that community sometimes, even when you're faithfully going to church, you can find yourself in this place where you've mismanaged your priorities and you're not actually worshiping your first love, Jesus Christ. You're maybe worshiping something about how he's changed you and now you've made that your identity. See, it's really, it can be yeah. a really mm-hmm. tricky, slippery slope to fall into that. But you're right, like going back to, I must be worshiping him, making him the priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, above everything else. The Bible tells us that our love for Christ should put all earthly relationships into question. He far surpasses everything else. Mm. He is supreme. He's not even on the same level as the relationships that we have down here. Mm -hmm. It's just, you are everything. Uh, And I pour my heart out to you, Lord. I beg for you, for more of you. Lead me, guide me. We shouldn't quit mainly because, as Amanda said, and I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit did this because I was going to say the same thing, because Jesus is worth it. Um, he saved our soul. Yeah. He gave us new life. I was reading this week through uh, Psalm 63, and I actually wanted to share this. This is where I'll end it. But Psalm 63 really has some like beautiful realities for Christians and I won't read all of it, but I'll bring some things out here. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water um, because your steadfast love is better than life. That that just yeah. gripped me entirely. Wow. Uh, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. 
I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I just love the language here and the picture that he's painting mm-hmm. is like someone that probably looks a lot like me right now. <laughs> really <laughs> Sweet potato souffle, yeah. yes. sweet rice yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he says, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Uh, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. So, Literally, this guy wakes up, David wakes up in the middle of the night, and the first thing on his mind is the love of his God. And his Mm. mind wanders back to God when he has free time Mm because he's so enraptured in who he is. He's so in love with with this kind of God. You've been my help. My soul clings to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he he ends it by saying, "The, the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him will exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. But what I found most interesting is that that was written while David was in the desert of Judah. Yep. So he paints a picture of a really healthy garden mm-hmm. of his soul that was surrounded by an actual wilderness, mm-hmm. by actual desert. And I was like, man, th- this is why we, we don't quit. This is why we keep mm-hmm. going. It's because in some of the hardest times of our lives, when you're being chased down, in his case, like more than likely Absalom wanted to kill him, Mm. his own son, you know, in the hardest times of our lives, there really is a way for us to just lean back and recline in this garden of satisfaction, of being totally known, yet totally forgiven and totally loved. And it's really just this incredible thing. So I don't know, tonight, Christian, don't stop doing the next right thing God has for you. Uh, But I hope that was encouraging. That is so good, Ben. Thank you. And thank you, Amanda. As y'all were talking, I got to thinking about the parable of the lost son and how the father in the parable obviously pictures God the father Mm -hmm. and how he is waiting every day for the son to return. He's looking off from a far distance. He sees the son return and he runs after his son. And it's just a picture of God's love for us that never quits. Like he's never going to stop loving you. He's never going to stop forgiving you and giving you another chance. Like that's our God. And it's not smart to quit on somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you can quit on a lot of people. Um, but our savior, our Messiah, he loves us to the uttermost and he's going to be there for us. So the last person we ever want to give up on would be him. But that was super helpful. And if this is if this has meant a lot to you, please give us a rate, a review. It always helps us when you subscribe as well. And even do this. If there's someone that you know in your life who is struggling through a difficulty and they're thinking about quitting and you think this might help them, just give this a share pass it on to a friend and Lord willing, God could use it in their life. But we're thankful for you listening to us talk about this. And if you'd like to talk even further about quitting, please reach out to us. You can find us at doxa underscore dialogue on Instagram. You can also find our podcast on the podcast page. You can talk back to us on there as well at doxaupstate.church. So we do this for you. We're grateful that we get to do it. Have a great Thanksgiving. You are loved.